0: Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any specific trading system strategy or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is uh, June 14th, and good morning, Andy.
1: Good morning, Jim.
0: I'd like to uh, kick this off right away by uh, talking about the, La- the most recent OPEC meeting, where the Saudis cut back a million barrels. I'm starting to get confused with the, the what's voluntary, what's not voluntary, but some countries are, are get their, their quotas cut back, but they're not even at their quotas already. So I guess my question is, what's actually happening to uh, OPEC uh, supply? And let's let's talk about without Russia uh, to start
1: yeah with with just uh OPEC and not OPEC plus because russia's a russia's a whole other saga uh <laughs> which I'm sure we will you know delve into at, at some point during this uh during the podcast. but this was a much more interesting meeting than what the market had thought going going in at least for the earlier in the in the week before the meeting. most analysts, including this one, I must say. Was saying that uh, OPEC was going to keep production just about unchanged, and uh, you know move on in a you know move on. However, obviously the the Saudis were not happy with the where the price was, which would have been Brent in below seventy five and TI you know below below seventy. So they engineered, uh, they did get into the very thorny problems of, of quotas and uh, somehow walked around those, uh, those time bombs uh, of assigning quotas, you know, change, changing quotas and everybody wanting more or less or de- depending on what their um, individual goals were. But th- they did get it passed and they got it passed with uh, what the oil minister said was a, a lollipop. A lollipop for the <laughs> Saudis, which was a million barrel a day cut uh, and an extension of the other cuts, a million barrel a day unilateral cut from the Saudis, and then an extension of other cuts um, that they had made a couple, a couple of months ago. So to to answer your question, you know, yeah, so some countries aren't even going to be close to where they're... Uh, where their existing quotas are some will be right up right up against it and uh significantly the u a e in they got an increased quota so that for them was a was a big victory but but if you look at to, what total opec production is in may after the cuts that they had engineered uh in martin in april i guess it was opec production at least according to uh, OPEC secondary sources, which is uh, like an average of five. And it's kind of what mo- a lot of us use as, as official numbers. OPEC production in May was 28 million barrels a day. And that's down. I mean, they have cut back because the December production was 29 million barrels a day. So OPEC is down. And in June, it's probably going to stay right around here, you know, 28, 28, one. And then in July, we'll see the uh, Saudi cutbacks. But there's also going to be some, there's going to be some leakage. Uh, I don't think production's going to go from 28, you know, 28.1 to 27.1. You know, our, our numbers uh, at CRG uh are you know i think opec production is going to be around 27.4 uh for the rest of the more or less for the for the rest of the year still you know that's going to be down a million and a half from the december numbers
0: so that is that is a significant number when you when you uh take all the meetings they've had and all the discussion they've had It, it turns out to be a million barrels and, and maybe a little bit more as we go. Yeah, I think for, maybe. for the
1: rest of the year, it's going to be like a million, million, six. Yeah, a million six, a million and a half, a million six. There's, all, there's still running into, we'll see what happens. You know, they, they did get a big OPEC got a quote unquote bonus by uh, the um, dispute between the Iraqis and Turks, which cut back 450,000 barrels a day of uh, production. Iraq's quote is four point two. They're they're somehow producing four point one, even with that cutback. So they've increased elsewhere. Uh, mm. But we'll see once that once and if that dispute is resolved, where Iraq goes, you know, whether they say, ah, you know what, we underproduced, and right. We're, you know, we're going to overproduce now for a couple of months. Yeah, you know, again, we'll see what we'll, we'll we'll see where uh you know where the market's at, where they're at and uh that that could be a, that could be an issue. And we're also, you know, there there is some there have been some gains by Nigeria in November they were producing 1.18 they're at one they're at 1.27 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh so that you know they're they're making some gains slowly but surely. Venezuela also so i think from those two countries you may see a little bit more coming out and and iran too has been able to increase increase production so you know as i said uh, this is why i think it, it's not going to go right to 27 there's going to be some leakage
0: the um going into that meeting you said, was it was it expected to see were we expected because the market market rallied up in price like uh, from from a low number of I think we were around sixty eight dollars uh, in in um, on that Wednesday and we uh, rallied up uh, almost to, I guess to seventy two now was that if you recall was did was that expected the market here about this one million cut well or is it just uh, a bounce
1: I think the Friday the, the Friday rally the Thursday of Friday rally some of it was short covering and then you remember there was a good jobs number. Right. and everything you know the whole macro of which you know we've been trading a lot of in this year the you know the whole macro rally, but then Friday afternoon, there were some news reports that uh, that came out saying, you know what OPEC is talking about a million to two million barrel a day uh cutback, mm. so you know I think the some of the- fr- the big Friday afternoon rally was uh based on Either those news items or that news coming, you know, slowly getting into the market. So I yeah, guess, you know, the answer is that the news was coming out.
0: Because uh, I was tracking by Friday. I was tracking the uh, July seventy-five call because on Wednesday uh, we saw fifty thousand contracts trade, and and that's a that's a big number uh, for one strike. So kind of was eye opening. And, um, you know, it was accompanied by only a uh, 10,000 increase in open interest. So it wasn't like new, new buyers meet new sellers. There were some, uh, buyers, uh, some, uh, buyers who probably said, you know, we're at 68, this option expires in a week and a half, or is it, no, maybe it was two weeks. That is, uh, it expires today, June, uh, June 14th. So, um, they're probably thinking we don't have much time. And, uh, so some people probably dumped out, but we, 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 um, didn't get a full 50,000 increase in open interest. But as the next couple of days, um, the, the Thursday and the Friday, the $50 call was the most active um, option uh, with 14,000 and almost, almost 20,000 on Friday trading. And on Friday, with the rally, the call set, uh, settled at one, one after, after settling at 34 cents on Wednesday, it's now settling at one. one and we saw open interest go down uh, by 6500 lots so so there was probably some uh, short call guys getting out and maybe even some of these original call buyers getting out they probably, probably didn't get out of everything and then overnight on Sunday night the market opened um right on uh, right around $75 and we saw some it was, again it was the most active option but not a lot was trading you know Sunday night and then by the morning, the the market had been coming off. So um, we we uh, uh, and that again that goes off today. So it, it was like a it was like a battle royale being fought on this seventy five dollar call. Uh, lots of um, the original fifty thousand uh, chunk going, and then you know lots of size swinging back and forth. You know buyers and sellers. It was like a beautiful market. Oh yes, we're going to go past seventy five. No, we're not. You know and, and, um, it looks like uh no, you're not won or is winning uh, i'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they won it. We're trading sixty nine dollars right now, so right but um you you kind of wonder when you see that volume often it's a i mean if if they bought fifty thousand around thirty four cents, you kind of think that's a you know a hedge fund uh taking a shot, and uh if you if you want to be uh. You know, conspiracy theorists, you'd say, "Well, that's got to be somebody with inside information that they know something's going to happen." Uh, either way, w- the beauty about looking at option flow is you get a sense of how somebody or many people are thinking about a particular price away from today's price. So, you know, again, we're we're trading in the um, in in the uh, 68 area of WTI, and somebody's willing to pay money for a, uh, a $75 call with only a couple of weeks to go. So you, you kind of raise an eyebrow and say, uh, you know, what's going on there. And, uh, and then we get this, we get them a nice move up to 75. Couldn't hold it. You know, I was like uh, pick its charge. It couldn't, couldn't break through, but um, it did make the move. Anyway, that, that, that move was kind of disappointing. I mean, yeah. Made,
1: right. C- continue to. It's, so it, the move was, first of all, you know, it wasn't it, what, talking about that Friday or the Thursday, yeah. Friday rally. I'm sure it didn't go unnoticed by the market that somebody was buying, you know, 50,000, 75 right. calls. So, I mean, right. less is probably what you're, is the evidence because of the open interest, the change in open interest. But nevertheless, that has to be like, whoa, I, yeah, wonder, what's... What, I wonder what's going on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, f- the first thing you want to know is who's doing that, right?
1: Who's doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, yeah. During open outcry, you had a pretty good idea of who was doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, when it's all electronic, it's we can only we can only guess, right? Uh, um, but- well, it's a,
0: d- 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 disappointing. Um, I, I last time we, we had a podcast. I talked to you about. Were you disappointed in the move uh, when it popped up the last time, back in uh, in early April? and you said no that was a it, it moved probably as much as it should have i thought i thought maybe it should have gone higher maybe not but but this time you got a million barrel cut from the saudis i i would think that would be a pretty good price mover but it, is, is it is it is demand flagging is uh is this russian oil out there what do you, is, it, is no, it i think I, it
1: i think it could be a combination of uh both Plus, you know sentiment has been so negative on on this on crude and and uh, products you know the market's been talking about a recession for you know for the whole year right. and uh you know they really you could see by the commitment of traders which is you know has we've seen these big funds getting down to only two to one long crude you know that's really remarkably low so i think Sentiment has definitely been a, a factor where people just don't want to buy it. And then from a fundamental standpoint, you know, finally, finally, Russian production got a lot of press last week. And, you know, we've been talking about it and for, you know, a lot of these podcasts uh, that there's, there's really been no evidence that they're cutting back. Uh, they They were supposed to Cut back half a million barrels a day in March, and definitely did not, uh, and probably not in April. There may have been some slight cutbacks in May because of um, maintenances. There definitely was uh, the, there was less product on the market and rest less Russian product on the market in um, you know in May than there was in uh, April. So total Russian exports were were down, and that the IEA said the same thing said the same thing today, but. Let's, you know, a lot of some of these numbers, you look at OPEC, I guess OPEC has to print what they're told, because in their report, they, they've got Russian production, uh, which was just, you know, it was around 11 million barrels a day last year uh, and 11.1 in the first quarter. They've got it down to like 9.5, 9, 9.6 in the second half of the year. And, yeah. you know, that that's fantasy. They're not yeah. cutting back. Yeah, Uh, they're going to be, we're using, we had 10.5. We're now using 10.9. I haven't seen where the IEA is put. You know, I haven't seen the detail on on the uh, IEA report. And I I just saw another bank report that had them close, had them where we were at 10.9. So if the whole year the market's thinking it's 10.2, 10.3, and all of a sudden it's 10.9, you know, that's a big big difference. Plus expectations. They're not cutting back,
0: right? There's no evidence.
1: There's no evidence.
0: Yeah, and and I've, I, you know, I see that number from Iran last month, uh, up sixty-one thousand, and and I, know I, I, I kind of think, well, maybe maybe the world is uh, it's getting a little more uh, sort of numb to to sanctions, and and we're getting more and more leakage. As I mean, they usually, they just, usually that's the way it works, but maybe it's it's happening uh, in now and and. and you know, I I didn't see much chat at all about Russia uh, supplies, Russian supplies from the um, IEA or the EIA uh, reports. So or I, OPEC or the OPEC or, o, or OPEC. Yeah, it's just kind of like, <laughs> I
1: guess that's it. you know, they're like, all right, you know, for, like I said, for OPEC they have to print what they're told. You know, yeah, yeah, but. And that's the other thing that I thought was disappointing about the OPEC meeting, and I guess the Saudis just didn't want to go there, you know, but they have to be furious at the, at the Russians, uh, yeah. for not not coming back. So the Saudis, in essence, are going to be, you know, continue to lose market share to the Russians. You know, the Saudis have their own their own issues. Uh, with you know, MBS is is building a this building a new city the neom uh which is going to be costing hundreds of billions of dollars um so you know they 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 still want a high price environment but and i guess they just didn't want to go after the russians at this last at this last meeting
0: it's it's really interesting you know the um the the saudi uh, minister uh prince Abdul aziz has kind of been uh slapping the uh, IEA a little bit with their um with their miscall on russian oil supplies they originally had them um uh, minus 3 million barrels off the market which obviously never happened right and then uh, going back to the previous statement of um you know i think don't stop investing in in fossil fuels and then we hit a period where we need them very badly uh especially like places like europe but um the whereas going with this is the IEA came back with their, this was their June report. So they do it. They do a uh, midterm projection, um, which we, we can talk about. Uh, why would you do that when you're having trouble getting the next six months done? But um, <laughs> you know, which you, you you sympathize with Andy. I know.
1: Uh, I totally sympathize with that. I can't even get this month. Right.
0: Yeah. So you're constantly revising, but, Anyway, they have a a a, a steep fall off in demand for uh, fossil fuels, and um, by I think 2028 they're calling for uh, peak demand, and even before that, 2026 for um, uh, peak demand in transportation fuels, and a lot of of that's based in China. So I want to talk about China, but I want to talk about let's talk about demand first. OPEC and the IEA. Uh, i think the IEA bumped up their demand number for for 2023 to 2.4 from 2.3 and um you have it much lower in the I, I,
1: yeah i have it much lower i have it you I just increased it a little bit cuz the chinese numbers have been you know have been coming in at, at least the spring numbers have, have been coming in pretty good pretty strong actually so i i did increase um total demand by by uh, a hundred thousand barrels a day, one fifty actually for 2024. But I'm still, you know, I'm still almost a million barrels a day below lower where they are. You know, they're looking for monster demand in the in the second half, which, from, which is ev- from everywhere. But China is the you know China and India, of course, are the, are the engines. But um, you know they're, they're looking for demand to go up like three million barrels a day between second quarter and third quarter. You know that's that's a huge increase. Yeah, but I do think, but I do think, Jim, the market has been, you know, really. Uh, I don't know if it's it's underestimating. I don't think underestimating is the is the correct word, but I guess just uh, there's so much skepticism built in that some of these good numbers that are coming out, you know, the market sort of just doesn't pay any attention to it. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, You know, I think I think the second half there's going to be a deficit, not as big as the IEA or well, OPEC numbers are, you know, way, way off. But, you know, I think there's going to be over a million barrels a day deficit because demand, you know, some of the numbers are looking better.
0: Right. But they they have a much bigger deficit than you do.
1: Yeah. Wait, they have. I mean, I could be. 1.3 1.3 let's say 1.4 deficit you know they're they're like a two over two for the um iea like over three for opec um, so but we know but part of OPEC's problem is that is low russian production but even if you take that out you know there's still over two million barrel a day deficit that's a that's a big deficit
0: yeah, I think I think uh, OPEC also has a stronger um, economic growth forecast than the EIA does. I think they're, I think the EIA, uh, where are my numbers? I can't see them right now. I think they're one of them's like one one and a half, the other's like two or two and a half, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, the OPEC is looking for plus two point six. EIA is looking for one point three. That's for uh, growth, and you know that's. That's significant as well, and oh, it's global it, GDP yeah yeah, yeah, so,
1: yeah that, that's very yeah
0: so is it I mean we're just it's just showing you how hard it is to get a handle on these numbers. you have uh you know four esteemed organizations with you know two it's it's called like uh two on each side, you have the the uh opec the IEA on one side and the other, EIA and Andy Lebeau on the other side. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and so uh
1: and me on the other
0: side. You've done I mean, you've I done like well it. against I, I, these guys.
1: I know. I think I, we've beaten these guys. I
0: think you've done yeah you know, over the last I, you know through COVID I think you I were I
1: think the last did, few years we've we've really beaten these guys. Uh, yeah. I wish that I had the, the budget that they that they had where they were paying me what they're paying those guys because I think we've been <laughs> I think we've been doing better. <laughs>
0: Uh, we used to call those uh, shade tree mechanics, you know. The other thing that came out of this, or there's many things in this um, short-term, not short-term, uh, medium-term outlook by the uh, IEA, and that was the, the idea that we are going to have enough investment in fossil fuels to handle the demand changes out through 2028. And um, they have, I think they had like a eleven point eleven percent increase in capex uh, for this year, and um, it's it like the highest since two thousand fifteen. But they're just saying that it should be enough. And and the reason, one of the reasons, is because they have a sharp sharp fall off in demand growth up to twenty twenty eight, which is where they, I think I mentioned that that's their peak uh, oil demand. So, which is interesting to me because that's a That CapEx issue has been a reason that many people had been buying back month calls for the last, I don't know, four or five years. I mean, 2020 uh, excluded, but people who got really bullish on this oil market in in the following year because they're saying nobody's gonna be investing in finding new oil. And I just wanna throw that at you and, and give me your comments.
1: It's really interesting, you know. You see, I think the IEA and OPEC are still going at it in a, in a big way.
0: <laughs> it's like exactly.
1: You know, I, I'm sure the IEA. You know that 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 the comments by by uh, the Saudi oil minister had to have rankled the uh the That's... IEA.
0: It felt like uh, a return slap to me. It, it really, yeah,
1: <laughs> because if you look at OPEC, what OPEC is saying, and of course they're talking their book, but you know what OPEC is saying is that there's underinvestment by hundreds of billions of dollars. and That you know the the world needs to invest much more in uh, in fossil fuels, and uh, it's interesting that the IEA said that there's uh, there's adequate investment but certainly you know this definitely looks like this there's, there's a pivot going on amongst the the majors and i thought you know shell was is a, a really interesting example you know they had they had tried to they had already they had, i guess this is the reverse pivot jim yeah uh, because they had invested heavily and talked and talked about the fuels of the future and becoming green you know that was a big theme of theirs earlier in this in this decade but now the the chat has been more about investing in uh in fossil fuels uh and going back to their going back to their knitting I don't think they're giving up by any means.
0: no no. um,
1: talking about uh fuels of the future but you know and, and you and I think you're getting this chat out of out of some of the other majors as well you know, Exxon never really did the first pivot, so they don't even have to reverse pivot. And we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see where Chevron goes. So, yeah. So I think that what the IA is saying has some merit, but I, I don't know if if adequate is is the right is the right description. My own belief is this, this is still an underinvestment and you know, is it the end of, is it, is 2028 going to be the end of fossil fuel demand as, as we know it? I, I don't know. I, have, Do, I, have da- I, have doubts about that. That's only five years from now. Well, it's, they're talking, growth. Well, they're talking about, climate. yes, demand yeah, growth, yeah, yeah. right, let's, right, let's right. Be, right, right. They're talking right. about growth. I mean, there's yeah. still going to be.
0: They're not going to turn into buggy whips overnight.
1: Right, right. There's right. still going to be very strong demand for, uh, for fossil fuels particularly in Africa and uh Asia, maybe uh the growth will be less so in uh OECD. O- um, o- e- thank you, Jim. <laughs> OECD. <laughs> Easy for you to say. OECD. Well uh yeah. countries, but you know I, I think we're still going to be growing out through the end of the end of the decade. But
0: well it's also in that report um it's interesting they I mean they they mention um the uh, growth of EVs in China, and they also talk about how the transportation fuels will peak from fossil fuel standpoint from in twenty twenty six, but some of that, some of the decline will be offset by petrochemical demand, right? And so that's especially like in China. Especially China is like a big growth driver going forward. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course the uh, developing countries are still going to be heavily dependent on uh, fossil fuels and they'll be growing uh, as well so you know
1: right and we still have you know the major the you know the charging issue oh that, yeah you know that's a major, that's still going to be a major issue in the grid you know the grid is still oh, God. Know, is the grid going to be able to handle all this growth in evs over the next few years i, I don't see it but
0: yeah i i saw a disturbing chart i I was, um, in 2021, we had that bad hurricane. I ended up, uh, my, my uh, furnace was ruined and they had a, a major incentive system to put a heat pump in the house. I put a heat pump in. And so I've had a, you know, a good couple of years to look at the uh, use. And the heat pump, even though it's efficient and my bill is lower than, say, heating oil, which I had before, it uses a lot of electricity, especially during those cold Days it works fine. Keeps, I'm, I'm in New York, so I don't have, you know, even the extreme days we had, it couldn't get to its number. Like if I wanted, if I wanted 70 degrees, it could only get to 68. Um, but it was that, that was when the temperature got below zero. But um, so it's very, it's, it's pretty good. It's very good, but it uses, I looked at the summertime during the time where we use, use electricity and the, the, the use was like, like more than double. In the winter time, so if you get, you oh. have a major push to get people on the grid during, you know, using heat pumps and then everything else. That's that's a big stress. Now, one thing is, one thing good about it is, the the heat pump in the wintertime is stressed mostly in the coldest time of the day, which is at night early morning. So that's there's not a lot of demand for power then. And then when during the summertime. Uh, when I'm using electric, uh, electricity for cooling, you know, it's a it's a big peak uh, demand part of the day. So th- there's that issue. But um still it's we're 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 not ready for uh, electric electrifying everything. It's, no,
1: I don't think you know, I mean, the permitting process alone, which is I think if you, you know, talk to people who are who are very active in that world, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll almost invariably say, well, the number one hurdle is the permitting process so
0: um, right look look what in order to get the budget ceiling lifted uh mansion got a pipeline out of it that's how that's how bad it is you know you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you know why are you putting that in the bill well how else am i going to get you know how am i get this thing done you know i mean it's yeah that's a big problem i think in new york state where i live uh they've been trying to get some Hydropower uh, or Quebec Hydro has been trying to is saying, listen, you want to go green? We have all the green power you want. We have hydro, but we can't. We we New York State couldn't build transmission lines, and I think they finally have one coming in from Canada down to New York City. But I'm told from from the beginning of the process it took 17 years. Whoa! Because you have you have all these stakeholders along the way, and they they don't they don't want new lines, you know. Why would you want a major transmission line coming through your area, that's coming from Canada, going to go into New York City? I mean, what was? how's that help you? I mean, that that's part of it, right? I mean, so yeah,
1: that's yeah. all part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's it, not my backyard. Right. I understand. I understand right. that. So, anyway, um, moving along, uh, let's talk about pricing, Andy. I think two months ago. And I'm I'm not gonna. You were looking for a grinding sideways moving market to higher. and it kind of went. I want to say it was like grinding lower.
1: Yeah, it did. It ground Great. lower.
0: Yeah. So yeah. let's let's refresh that idea going forward. What do you What do you think?
1: Well, let's I say- happen to still, you know, looking at where we are uh, in terms of uh, what I expect for the balances. I, I can't say that I've changed my outlook from a grinding, grinding higher. The, I think what has to change though, you know, sentiment clearly has to change. We have to start seeing stock draws. Today, the uh, today the weekly petroleum report uh, had a bit, uh, you know, a build of 8 million barrels in, in crude, which was not, not good and they had another 12 million in total supplies i think the market doesn't want to the market wants to see the opposite of that jim you know we we need to start seeing stock straw we need to start seeing the physical market to get to get stronger where the curves are actually softening here so you know if you look at if you look at the physical market that would indicate that demand may not be you know as strong as some of the numbers that are, are being reported but i uh, but i think you know for this to for the market to get out of its lethargy uh on the upside those those are going to be two important factors let's start seeing you know actual stock draws and let's really start seeing the physical market pick up i think it will but it, it may take you know it may take time and it's you know for the fundamentalists maybe this will be you know something that or for the market you know we've been trading we've been trading everything but crude actually <laughs> you know all these reports come out and you know e- even on things that have nothing to do with petroleum and you know, people will trade it which is um you know a little a little a little disheartening but that's that's the market uh, today but i i would say let's watch you know, let's watch inventories and let's watch the physical market for uh clues that this is beginning to, to turn around.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're looking for demand increase, say in the second half of the year or going forward, it's not gonna help help you if you're long to front crude contract. <laughs> yeah. Nece- necessarily, you know.
1: Right. And you're not yeah. gonna be ha and you don't wanna see contangos, you know. Right. See, you know, right. That, the de red and um and is has um, you know earlier this year it was fifty cents a month now it's only twenty five cents a month still backward data, but you know the the backwardation has really has really come off so we want to you want to see the backwardation increase and you know I'd be watching these red ds so I'd be watching the front uh, and i've been wa- I'd be watching all the physical you know differentials
0: mm. There's been a lot of talk in the news about how, you know, the people people who are looking at a recession, imminent recession, probably are looking at the PMI numbers, you know, manufacturing PMIs, and then the people who are looking at no, we're not going into recession are probably looking at the uh, uh, service PMIs, and it's the manufacturing PMIs that are correlated to diesel demand, and so what's what you're feeling. Let's let's break it out. Uh, gas, gasoline diesel. Uh, diesel's taking it on the chin lately. Is it we bottomed out here? Do you think? Uh...
1: Yeah, diesel. Well, we just had a, a big stock build on uh, diesel, although the crack actually held together and rallied a little bit on the diesel crack. Global diesel, even though we've had the spill, global diesel supplies are relatively low. Uh, demand is sort of, you know, lack, it is lackluster I and mean, US demand, the EIA on the, you know, their last report, you know, is, is looking for flat right around 4 million barrels a day for the third or fourth year in a row. Uh, so, you know, until manufacturing really turns around, I think, uh growth may be, may be hard to come by on uh on diesel, and obviously everybody's been watching the manufacturing reports, you know the isms now those jim those are important right yes, the ism, yes. The ism is really really has something to do with, with oil demand yes So uh, that's something you know that's definitely something to uh watch but i I think this year it looks like diesel demand's gonna be flat, maybe you know. Globally, up or down at just a, just a little bit, U.S. flat. Gasoline demand, one thing the Mar- that is definitely, you know, one thing we're seeing is gasoline demand is a lot better than have been forecast. U.S. gasoline demand, much better than forecast. I think if you look at, you know, originally, right after the Memorial Day weekend, you know, it came out that, oh, I, uh, I think it was Gas Buddy was saying that demand was down 1.1%. when it should have been up. But if you look at the EIA weeklies, it's pretty, it it was good. These three weeks around Memorial Day was really good. Uh And I think it's one of the reasons why the, you know, the gasoline crack's been on a, a, you know, it's been on a roll. It's really been very strong. We've also had refinery issues. So at least, at least in the U.S., you know, keep watching the gasoline demands coming in a lot, a lot higher than um you know, than what was, than I thought, frankly, you know, I, yeah. I thought it would be unchanged this year. And it's, you know, I think we're going to see some, uh, I think we're going to see growth. I see
0: the, uh, the runs this week were at sixteen five eight six. I believe. If I right. Read that, right. That's, that's, is that like a million over last year? No, that's yeah. not, no, no, it's, I'm sorry. That's a it's, no, a, it's it's a, it's still low.
1: It's still low relative to like the five-year average. It's like, I don't know, 500 below, uh, the yeah. the five-year type average. We, you know, there too. There's been there have been issues. Uh, you know, there was a big issue here in the Northeast, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, gasoline took off. But it was tight last year, last month too. And what's surprising me is that you know these, you know, we should be getting armadas coming in into New York Harbor. Imports are picking up and maybe we will be getting a lot of supply and that'll that'll be it for you know for the backwardation and gasoline but um you know again the demands the demands better than thought and um you know on the supply side refiners haven't really fully cranked it out yet i guess
0: that, i guess my question yeah. is what's what do you, where are these things going to max out the, the runs cuz they they're um
1: we uh, have we have a way we, we can I think we could get up I think we can let's see was last week was sixteen sixteen four. six what was it I have
0: sixteen five eight six
1: yeah sixteen five eight six right that's right sixteen point six so I think we've got another two to three hundred we can get out and so oh, sixteen nine I, originally the EIA was talking seventeen two for this summer and that would i don't know that would be like a miracle cuz you you also have pro you know there's still these still these pro you know these refinery problems all over the place
0: mm. so gas crack it's been firm what going forward we stay in this range we any any feel on that
1: my feel is i'm a little i'm a little bit bearish cuz i thought that uh production you know i just as i just said i think we have room to go uh, on the upside on, on production but you know these again demands coming in a, lo- a little higher uh would i buy it up here no I, w- I wouldn't buy it up here uh you know if i'm a refiner i have to look at this to be a seller for sure right um you know to lock to lock something in it's a good um, number um yeah it's a great. Oh. It's an awesome <laughs> for gasoline crack, and again, you know, if you're if you're hedging, you know, you're you're not locking in your whole, you know, you're just doing a portion here for your refiners.
0: So I'm going to throw this little curveball at you. We we asked the guy. You and I were on a phone call. I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, and we asked the guy, what old oil guy had done everything. Asked him what part of the business he would like to be in over the next couple of years? He said refining. And um, I think he walked right smack into some record profits along the way. I know. Um, he nailed it. He nailed it. What do, you, what do you think going forward next year, year and a half? What part of well, the business would you like to be in?
1: Well, it, could, it wouldn't be refining because we've got all this new refinery capacity coming on. But I, I, I think I'd like to be in the, um, I'd like to be in the production side. You know, I do think that there is an underinvestment, maybe not as big as OPEC has said. So I, I think that I think the production side would be, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather be on that side than on the uh, refining side right now.
0: So you see some rallies ahead, and, and so last question, Andy, and then I'll end it, or you, you know, unless you have things we need to cover. Your oil price forecast: Are we grinding? You said gr- grinding forward to
1: higher. Yeah, I think we I you know, I like the market to be higher in the in the second half. So far, Brent this year has averaged, I think it was $81 and TI like 76 uh, close to 77. You know, I I I think TI could I think we could be at those numbers for the for the at those numbers or higher for the second half
0: and then well, the, the 90
1: you know the 90 to 100 that that may be you know that that may be hard pressed the less you know the iea and opec are right on their uh, on their demand forecasts
0: then we get there yeah
1: we could, we could get yeah mid 80s 90 90 wouldn't be out of the question if they're right
0: well that's a, the um, the two option strikes with the most open interest are the dec 23 100 call in WTI, it's like 42,000. And in Brent, it's the DEECE 2300 call with about 44,000 open interest. Wow. So, yeah, so uh, there's people, I'm sure they're hoping that happened already, but um, yeah, that, I'm, they're gonna, I'm, I think they're gonna hang on for the, uh, I'm, I'm sure they're reading the IEA and the, and the OPEC demand numbers and looking at them very closely
1: i I'd, I'd hold on to them,
0: yeah, Never no, done. that's right yeah yeah, yeah it's good it's good to have those on uh Andy, anything else you wanna that we uh, talk about that we didn't talk that we didn't cover?
1: No, I just want to say that you could you could reach me at a at commodityresearchgroup dot com and I'm also on uh LinkedIn if you have any questions about our uh podcasts or any questions at all, feel free to reach out to me.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Andy. I'll see you next month.
1: All right. See you next month, Jim.